Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah audio podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. To find out more information about Life Church, please check us out at lifechurchutah.com. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can do so by going to our website or by texting the word LC Give to 95577. Turn to your Bibles, please, to Matthew uh, chapter 28. Last week, we looked at the upside-down world or the upside-down uh, upside kingdom of God, and we found out how the church, we are as a church, uh, to present the message of the gospel of Christ to the world around us. This is a corporate duty that we have as the body of Christ. And, um, but the thing is, the church is made up of individuals. So I would turn to somebody near you and just say, you're an individual. All right? Now turn to somebody else and say, we are the church. Okay, so, so we are both of those things. We are individuals, and we are the church. And so today what I want to do is I'm going to look at the individual side of this mission. What are we supposed to do when God calls us as individuals? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. And we'll get back to that in a minute. But some doubted. Just a little aside, this is not in my notes, uh, but a little aside here. I found this super interesting, and I've, have you ever doubted and had struggles in your faith? I mean, and I'm raising my hand, right? Okay, so I think we all come into those moments, and this is so interesting that Matthew includes this in what he's sharing. Here's Jesus, risen from the dead, right in front of these, some of these disciples, and it says some of them doubted. So, folks, there are times when our faith struggles, and we often say, Jesus, if you were just right here with me, it'd be no problem. I mean, I've already prayed that before, right? I mean, we have the Holy Spirit within. We have, we have all of these things, and yet, even in this moment, the disciples were struggling. So, it's okay. You're in good company in those moments. Just surround yourself with the right people like the disciples did so that you can ask the right questions and get the right answers. So, that's an important part of it. All right. That's totally free on the message. All right. Here we go. Jesus came near and spoke to them. I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. I'm captured by this scene. I love it. I mean, you can see Jesus, you know, coming up there to the, to the mountainside, and then all the disciples gathering around him, and there's an expectation. What is Jesus, you know, Jesus called us here. What is it he's going to speak to us? What is it? What's the one final nugget that he's going to give to us? And the first thing that they do is they fall down and worship him. They, they, they put themselves in a position to receive from the Lord. And they say, Lord, we worship you. And Jesus, we worship you. And then the thing that Jesus says next is go. Go away from here and make disciples. In other words, go and do what I have modeled for you. I gave my heart and soul to you, disciples. Now you go give yours away to those who don't know me yet. That, in a nutshell, is the mission. So to see it more clearly, though, we need to go back um, to, uh, to just really a, a couple of days before this story in Matthew. So turn, please, to John chapter 15. 
This is just before Jesus was crucified. He's up in the uh, upper room talking to his disciples, and they're, they're having the Last Supper, and all of this stuff is happening at this, at this time. And as Jesus is sharing with them, he's telling them things that are tough to hear because he's saying what's going to be happening to him, what's going to be happening to, to the disciples that are following him, those closest. It's going to be a rough little patch here for these disciples. And about halfway through these four chapters, Jesus says to them this in John chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vineyard keeper. He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit, and he trims any branch that produces fruit so that it will, be, uh, will produce even more fruit. You are already trimmed because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit without me you can't do anything. What a powerful part of Scripture. In the words that Jesus speaks to his disciples. I mean, uh, there's so much that we can pull out of here uh, with what he's saying here. The ideas of holiness and, and uh, um, that, that idea of sancti- that, that ongoing sanctification that we should have in our lives. The heart of God is revealed. We see the Spirit of God alluded to. But today, I think we can also find another part of our mission in here. Because the primary focus of this passage, of this short passage, is fruitfulness. It's all about the fruit. So how is mission seen in this? Well, number one, my mission is growing, is a growing relationship with God. That's the, the first part of my mission here on earth is a growing relationship with God. And I really like this part of the mission. This is the revelation that God brings to, to us of himself and there's a reality of our, uh, of, of our mission that it is to get to know God better. If you go back to the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis, you see Adam and Eve in perfection. Uh, nothing was wrong at that point, and there was an intimate relationship that they had with their creator. There was a connection that they had with their creator that was broken by sin, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, and we see that sin break, and what happened is within us now is a longing for that relationship. So part of our mission on this earth is to get to know God better. And this is the foundation. In, in the five verses that, uh, that are in there, Jesus says the word remain five times. He says, stay close. Be with me. Put yourself in the position of connection with me. Without this part of the relationship and the state of health, everything else begins to diminish. And we know we're in that, that right relationship when we remain, when God begins to work on our lives and, and begins to uh, maybe push us a little bit in areas of our life that might be a bit undisciplined and unruly. And uh, I enjoy trimming the bushes around our home. And Well, in Illinois, our home here, here in Utah, we don't have any bushes or trees yet. That's going to happen hopefully this summer. Uh, but, uh, but we don't have any here. But in Illinois, I really enjoyed uh, trimming the trees uh, a lot and uh, kind of a butcher, in fact. Uh, so I, I would trim those trees. And I'm not a gardener, but I would watch a YouTube video, and then I would feel that I was an expert, right? And so I would go out, and I would, anybody with me on, like, you watch YouTube, and all of a sudden you're an expert on anything that you do, okay? So I would go out there, and I'd begin trimming. I'd, I'd take the, the shears and the lopper, 
See, I know, I know my terms, the shears and the lopper. And I would go out there and I would just start trimming that bush back or trimming the, uh, the trees back, having a great time while my wife looked in horror <laughs> at what I am doing to this. Now, I would love to tell you that every tree and every bush that I took care of and, and pruned away, that every one of them thrived. But alas, I am not a gardener, <laughs> and several of them did not recover very well. They became very misshapen <laughs> and had problems uh, after that. You look at them, and, oh, poor bush, what happened to you? Oh, Rich got a hold of you. Okay, that's, uh, that's the exciting part. But many of the things that I did, many of them when I followed the directions correctly off of YouTube, many of those trees ended up becoming uh, much fuller and much better for the care that I was able to give uh, to them. The cool thing is, is God is an excellent gardener. <laughs> He knows us better than we know ourselves. And the pruning he does is effective and it helps us grow. That remaining is key to that intimacy because we all have parts of our lives that God is dealing with. I don't know if you know that. Every one of us have problems. <laughs> Every one of us have issues. Every one of us have undisciplined parts of our lives. And God is an awesome gardener. He begins to work on us. Those unruly aspects of our heart, the sinfulness that shows up sometimes really subtly and other times not so subtly in our lives. It is these things that God cuts off in hopes that these parts die <laughs> and the remaining parts, those things uh, that need to have fruitfulness in them, those things remain and become even more fruitful. That's that connectedness, that intimacy that we should have. And this shows up in the transformation of our lives. The angry parts get softened. How many of you need some like softening to go on in your hearts, right? The bitter parts of our lives become sweetened. The unruly parts of our lives become disciplined. Sorry, this just popped into my head and I got to share it. The unruly, in my head, the illustration is the, the eyebrows that get unruly. You gotta, okay, anyway, all right, so. <laughs> Sorry, that just came into my head, all right. And it goes on and on and on, right? This pruning that God does, it reveals this remaining in Christ. But this is only one aspect of our mission. Has God called us to only worship? Has God called us to only come together like this and to be with one? And I love worship. I, I love worship. I enjoy those moments when God feels like God is right here with us. I love that. I long for that. But there's more to our mission. And my mission, second part of it, is a growing relationship with others. You see, fruitfulness naturally flows from intimacy with Christ. Christ. The, the verses I read earlier reveal an incredible truth about intimacy with God. The fact is, is that God desires us to be fruitful. God desires us to have blessing. God desires us... <laughs> Right? So sometimes I think we, we think that God wants us to be miserable and in pain. There, there are some who feel that way, that if I'm not miserable, it means God's not working in my life. I don't think that's true. <laughs> right? I think God does want to bring fruitfulness into our lives because I believe fruitfulness is the design of God. And he transforms us, and then that fruit becomes available to others. When I was a kid, I remember... Um, uh, visiting a, 
uh, we were at a home or something, I can't remember where it was, but we were at some sort of semi-formal event, and I was pretty young, maybe seven or eight years old, and I remember walking into this room that I probably wasn't supposed to be in, and on this table was a beautiful display of grapes, and I'm like, you know, dinner hasn't been served yet. I'm, I'm a little bit hungry, so I'm going to go ahead and grab one of these grapes. And so I remember reaching up and pulling, and I had to tug a little bit and get that grape off of there. And I'm like, it's like the perfect grape. And so I, I just, this isn't it right here, but it's like the perfect grape. And I put it in my mouth. I'm like, oh, this is going to be grape. Only to find out it was plastic. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Those, those plastic, weird, spongy grapes that are like display grapes, Okay. So I, I, I'm like, I'm like, this is not like a grape I've ever seen before. You know, whatever. Okay, I have this moment. I'm like, this is fake. It's horrible. Oh, and I was frustrated and more hungry than ever. <laughs> but I think sometimes this is a great illustration. Sometimes we as Christians are really good at preserving our fruits to the point where it becomes kind of worthless to those around us. We go, look at all the good things I've done. Look at all the good, good faith I've had. Look at all but it's all resting in the past and that fruits become stale. Nobody wants that kind of, nobody wants to taste that kind of fruit. They, they would prefer this kind of fruit right here. Like, so this is a banana if you didn't know that. And um, so how many of you have trouble opening a banana, by the way? Anybody have trouble opening? Like I squished the whole top, like third of the banana trying to get the whole thing off. Can I give you a hint? It's going to change your life. Flip it over. And it just opens up so easily. That is exciting. Online, you can, like, YouTube this. It's so cool. So anyway, um, <laughs> it's a cooking class with Pastor Rich. All right. <laughs> but we need to be a people that are marked by tasty fruit to the world around us, right? Last week, we talked about salt being tasty, right? We need to be this to the world around us. Fruitfulness is the indelible mark of, a true, of true Christianity. The alternative is dead wood. Right, those parts of our lives that get kind of lopped off, that's the dead wood of our lives, and that's not what we celebrate. And this fruitfulness that we need to share shows up in things like compassion, healing, influence. It shows up in our, in our neighborhoods. It shows up in our workplaces, among our friends and family. And to me, this looks a lot like Jesus. So if we were to look back at Jesus' life, where would we see him on mission building relationship, a growing relationship with those around him. The first one I kind of see, and, and obviously there, there are many, many, many that we could choose from, but uh, I see Jesus with the untouchables. In Luke chapter 10, we find this, this, this amazing story of Jesus talking with lepers. Now, lepers of Jesus' day, uh, they were the untouchables. If you touch them, you would become unclean because of the skin condition that they had, and it was contagious, and so nobody wanted to be around them and catch leprosy because that affected their, their relationship with God uh, because of the, uh, the religious, um, uh, the, the way that the religion was run and all that. There was just this deep abiding fear of these untouchables. The crazy thing is, these untouchables come near Jesus probably fear associated with them coming near Jesus, and then Jesus steps near them, and the Bible says that Jesus touches them. I'm sure the disciples were freaked out. I mean, they're looking at Jesus, you cannot touch. These are the untouchables. Don't go to them. But I love it that Jesus did. 
Who are the untouchables today? I think they're all around us. And sometimes we go really blind to them. The homeless, the sick. I'm gonna throw out another challenge here because I think as a church, we, we, we don't do well in this area. And I'll throw out another challenge for us. I think one of the untouchables in our world today is the LGBT community. And we as a church have said they're untouchable and unclean because we feel if we touch them, then somehow it will get on us. And I think Jesus' heart is to go to the untouchable. I think as a church, we have to be obviously careful. I mean, there's all those things that we, we have in there, and there's that pushback that we all feel because we recognize that there, there are choices made and lifestyles lived and all those things that we go, this is so against what we would believe. And yet, where would Jesus be? I think he would touch the untouchables. There's a woman caught in adultery who is a sinner worthy of death, right? And in those days, that was, that was the thing, sinners worthy of death in this moment because of the adultery. It was clear from the law that there was only one solution, and yet there is Jesus in the midst when they brought this woman to him. What is Jesus going to do right now? Well, it says that he knelt down and just kind of took a moment, and he, he then looks up to the crowd, and he says, to the, to the one who has no sin, let that person cast the first stone. They all start, like, looking around at each other, realizing that all of them had sin, and one by one, they walk away until it's just Jesus and this, this sinful woman. Jesus looks around and says, where, where have all of your accusers gone? Woman says they're 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 gone. There there are no accusers left. Jesus says, "Is there is there no one left to condemn you?" He says, "Neither do I." And oftentimes we might leave it right there, but remember, Jesus does go on and he says, "Go and don't keep sinning." So there, there's a part to grace, right, where Jesus was with them was with the sinners, and we can all think of people that, that are all around us every single day that are in that category, right? There's an us versus them, and yet we are all in that category of sinners. We're only saved by grace, not by anything we do. And yet there's Jesus saying, I don't condemn you either, but go and sin no more. There's so many people that come to us who are hurting, they recognize in their lives that there is a disconnect from the eternal, a disconnect from the divine in their life, part of the church piles on and continues to heap on condemnation that they're already feeling. Jesus didn't do that. We need to be like Jesus. I also see Jesus with the religious in John chapter 3 with this great story unfolds. There are many religious people that encountered Jesus. Many of them condemned Jesus right away. Many, many of them wrote him off. Many of them sought to kill him and in fact succeeded. But in the middle of a very religious society, what we see is Jesus drawn to those who were, who were religious but were asking questions and were curious. 
Just saying something in what we're doing right now isn't lining up with, with what we sense is God is. And, and they're struggling with this. And Jesus welcomes a guy named Nicodemus late at night in a garden. And they begin talking. And Jesus is sharing with him, not pushing him away and inviting him to participate more in Jesus. I look at the culture around us and a lot of religion around us. And oftentimes as the church we, and as individuals, we might, might push away from that. And I think Jesus invites the question, invites people in and says, let's talk. Let's have a discussion. Let's, let's begin to, to figure out what's the way forward to bring you to Jesus. Jesus took time to hear, to respond, and to challenge. We need to do the same. I see Jesus with the broken Jairus was the leader of the local synagogue. His daughter was sick and dying. He's broken over the situation as any of us would be. And, and Jesus shows up in this moment. Here's this guy asking him to heal his daughter. And so many of the, of the synagogue leaders before this had maybe kicked Jesus out of the synagogues. And we don't know. Maybe Jairus himself had kicked Jesus out at some point. But here he was broken. I've got nowhere else to turn. I'm desperate. Jesus, I come to you. And Jesus has compassion. He's got empathy. He identifies with a man, heals his daughter. And Isaiah says this, and I think this should be our cry as well. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. That's the ministry of Jesus, and that should be ours as well. And that ministry to the broken. I'm going to invite our worship team to go ahead and come on up here as we close out. And the last thing is, and this one's a little surprising to me, and it might catch you off guard too, because uh, oftentimes we see Jesus as um, identifying only with the broken, only with the marginal, only with those who are the outcasts of society. But the reality is, is Jesus spent a significant amount of time among the influential. Jesus was with the religious influential, with the Pharisees. He was with some of the economic influencers, with uh, some of the tax collectors. He was among those that many times we push against, right? We say, oh, they're the 1% or they're the, the, the 10% or whatever it is. Jesus was among the influencers. He had dinner with them, conversations with them. He never, never denied who he was. He never, never allowed faith to become diminished. But he developed relationship with those who are influencers in society. Could it be that God's calling us as individuals in our places of employment? Could it be that God's calling us in, in just our, our everyday living is God calling us to have relationship with those of influence in our society? Just because they're successful doesn't mean they don't need Jesus. <laughs> Maybe God's given you an open door to that. Use it for his kingdom. So this, this is just a snapshot of moments in Jesus' life revealing what our fruit should look like. It says we should remain in him, get pruned, get Get, get, all, get, get as much as we can of our life growing in the right direction and that fruit that we have, that incredible fruit, that ripe, ready-to-eat fruit, we then express through sharing the gospel of Christ to those around us as individuals. So the mission of God for me is to remain in intimate relationship with God that leads me to, to fruitful action in the world as Jesus' hands and feet. That's my mission. That's my twofold mission that God has called me to do. What does this look like? There's a guy who attends uh, here at Life Church. His name is Craig. He helps out with uh, our kind of 
uh, new believers or those who are kind of uh, seeking questions about Christ. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful class. If you haven't done it, you need to uh, take part of that. So he has this neighborhood mission. That's the only way that I can kind of describe it. He's got this neighborhood mission. And, and a number of years ago, he used to live outside of the state, and he felt like God was speaking to him to uh, kind of view his neighborhood differently than he did. And so he just started praying for his neighborhood and kind of felt like God wanted him to do more, but he stopped short of what he thought God wanted him to do, and he ended up moving here to the Salt Lake Valley. And about a year ago, God really started working on his heart. He said, Craig, I, I want you to to begin caring for your neighborhood. I want to begin praying for your neighborhood and let's see where this goes. And so he started walking his neighborhood about a year ago. If it's the only time he doesn't do it, deep downpour or heavy, heavy snow, but otherwise he is out there walking the neighborhood. He takes with him a pad of paper and he writes down the names of every person that he meets. He goes and knocks on doors. Hey, my name's Craig. I'm a neighbor. What's your name? I'd like to pray for you and just see what, see what God wants to do. I mean, he's got this whole thing that he's begun doing because God, he feels like God has led him to do it. And so for the past year, now he's got a, over 130 names of neighbors that he prays for every single day. That's incredible. He has conversations with him. He's got a Bible study in his home. This incredible thing where he's saying, God, I want to remain in you, but this remaining in you <laughs> leads me to fruitfulness into my neighborhood. And so he's been praying, God, open up doors, Lord. What is it that you're doing? How are you going to use this to bring people into your kingdom? Talked to Craig right after first service. And he said, hey, pastor, you've got to know one more part of the story. I said, what's that? He said, today, so in service, in first service, during the 60-second greeting time, he turned around, and there was one of his neighbors sitting behind him not even knowing that Craig was in here, okay? So he turns around, he looks, he goes, oh my goodness, I think her name is Rebecca or something like that. Rebecca, I can't, oh, this is wonderful. Do you realize what this is? And she goes, I'm not real sure. <laughs> but he goes, this is, this is an, an appointment that God has made for you. Because think about it, there's 400 seats, I think, 460 seats, I think, in the sanctuary. She sat right behind him. All of all these seats, and he sat in the seat that he was sitting in, and God said, I'm going to bring this relationship to a point where God cannot be denied that God is up to something. It's taken a year of walking his neighborhood daily and praying daily for this fruit to begin. I believe this is just the beginning part of that fruit that God wants to do in his life. Now, the great thing, the thing that excites me about all of this is the fact that he didn't have a pastor tell him to, to do this. He didn't have some program telling him to do this. This was born out of an int intimate relationship with God that said, God, I want to do something. And God said, here's what you need to do. And I will be with you. And you're going to bear fruits. So folks, every one of us can do this. Now, the introverts among us right now are freaking out. <laughs> I am not going up to doors I don't know. And not, okay, and I get that, and that's totally fine. You have a workplace. You do have neighbors right next door to you that hopefully you know. If you don't, this is an opportunity for you to say, okay, God, use me. Let me know at least my neighbor's next to me. You've got family members that don't know Christ. I believe God is calling you in fruitfulness after remaining in him to make an impact on our world. That's your mission. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet real quick.
When the disciples were on the mountain that day, way back in Matthew chapter 28, right at, right at the very beginning, if you remember the, the way that it unfolded, it said first and foremost that they were there and they, when Jesus showed up, they worshiped him. They wanted to remain in him. They, they, they wanted that intimacy with him. And then following that, what did Jesus say? He said, go and make disciples. You can't just sit around Jesus' feet all of the time. Jesus is asking us to go out and to be his hands and feet extended. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.